Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. A couple weeks ago, I, I talked about how, how God kind of kind of uh, gave me a little nudge in, in the right direction, and, and kind of his message to me was to, to learn how to love better. And last week I talked a little bit about trying to see the good in all things. Um, and this week I want to talk about something that's, that kind of um, fits in with that too. And in, 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 it's related to loving. And in, in uh, I want to talk about honor and, and honoring and, uh, and how we do that. The first, way, the first thing we got to do is to, is to truly honor God. Uh, I don't know if, if all of us really understand um, what it means to, to truly honor God. Jesus gave us a, uh, an example of how to pray in the Lord's Prayer. And if you read the Lord's Prayer, the first thing he does is he, is he honors God. He, he, uh, he says that's where we have to start. We have to... We have to um, acknowledge that God is holy and that he is everything. He's the reason we're here. He, he's the reason everything is here. And so the very first thing we need to do when, when we get out of bed in the morning is to acknowledge God and, and his holiness and, and that he is our maker and start our day that way because otherwise, uh, you know, I, I don't think we're honoring him. We can, do the, we can honor him through thanks and praise um, and... Uh, in in Colossians 1, verse 10, it says, Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. So this is saying that the, way, the best way to prove that we honor God, I mean, we can say it. We can, we, we can wake up in the morning and, and give him praise, but the best way to back that up is by the way that we live. Um, Christianity is, is a faith... That, that we're saved by grace, but, but we prove our Christianity through our actions and, and by the way that we live. And so when we make decisions in our lives and to do, to do something or not to do something, it's real simple to, to, to kind of test that out by saying, is this going to honor God or is it not? And, um, in our relationships, are, are we honoring him? In our, in our workplace, are we honoring him? In, in what we choose to do, are we honoring him? And what we choose not to do, does that honor him? And uh, I think as Christians, that's where we have to start, is, is through giving him his due and in, in giving him the credit for all that is good in our lives. <clears throat> in Proverbs, Proverbs fourteen thirty one, it says, Those who oppress the poor insult their maker, but helping the poor honors him. So that's a that's a great way to honor him, is is through helping the poor. Um, it's an example of of a way to do it. We uh, we have a in this ministry. Uh, it's a it's a three part ministry, as you can see behind us. We, you know, the this part of the of of our ministry, the the gathering is of people together is the gathering part of the of the ministry to where we gather people first. Okay. And then we're going to grow in our faith, and then we're going to go out and, and prove it. Um, part of proving it is, is listening to what God's saying, he's, and he's saying it's, that we can honor him through helping the poor. We, uh, 
we have a church ranch involved that, that's part of this ministry. And a lot of people have asked, well, why do you need to do that? You know, and, and we've had some people that were very adamant against us doing that. And, and there's more than one reason why we, why we have a ranch, but the number one reason is so we can feed the hungry and provide beef to poor people. Um, just because people are poor don't mean, doesn't mean that you, you pull the can of yams that's been in the back of the Lazy Susan out you know, since last Thanksgiving and, and, and offer that. We offer the best, the best quality beef that we can raise and, uh, to feed the hungry. And, that, and that's a way that we can honor God is by feeding the poor. <clears throat> the next way we can honor God is by honoring his son, Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Without him, we don't have a lot of hope in this world, right? Um, he died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and, and that we could have a per personal relationship with God. Before Jesus, you, you couldn't, have, <clears throat> couldn't have a personal relationship with God. Through the law, it was impossible. Now we can. Jesus made that possible through, through his sacrifice and through uh, the life that he led. Um, we have that, and, and we also, through his grace, now have the, the opportunity to, for everlasting life. Without Jesus, that's not possible. And so, how do we honor Jesus? Uh, I, th I think the best way to do that is to imitate him and emulate what he did in his life, okay? What did Jesus do? First, first was love. He was, he was a living example of what love looked like, Okay? Now, we weren't there, we didn't get to see it, but, but it's written down. And so, what Jesus says is what we should do. We can honor Jesus by loving each other, loving him, and repenting of our sin. I think those are the two best ways we can honor Jesus. In Scripture, God gave us a lot of instruction. This whole book is an instruction manual on how to, on how to live and how to attain everlasting life, right? Um, and so he gave us some, some instructions on honoring. And, and the first one, there's a, there's a lot of them. I encourage you to open this book up and read it. It's pretty cool. Um, but I'll just, I'll just touch on a few. One, one a lot of people know is, is one of the commandments, which is to honor your, your father and mother. And uh, that, that has been not an easy thing for me always to do because I had not the greatest relationship with my dad. But... Uh, one of the things that, and he and he's passed, so now I now I have to get to honor his memory. But uh, the best way to do that is is uh, for me. Um, my dad and mom introduced me to to God at an early age, and I'm so grateful for that because that is a parent's number one job is to introduce their children to God first. Um, and that got me through a lot of hard times, knowing knowing that. God was there and, and that he had my back. And, and so uh, no matter what other things happened in my life, I'm so grateful for my dad and mom for, for introducing me to Jesus Christ um, at an early age to where, to where I could start building my faith uh, early on. So <clears throat> make sure that, that we do, as the commandment said, it, it's, it's one of ten instructions, right? So it's pretty important. The cool thing about it is, I don't know if, if everybody knows, but, but there was a promise that went along with that commandment. And, it's, and it says, if you honor your father and mother, then you will live a long, full life on earth. Okay? So there's a, there's a, a promise that he made, that if we do that, we're, gonna, we're, we're not only going to live it 
uh, in eternity, but we're going to live a long, full life on earth. Who, who doesn't want a long, full life on earth? Um, a lot of the cowboys I know aren't going to make it because of the things we do, but uh, we'll have a short, full life on earth. You know, that, that's fine, too. Um, so kiddos and, and adults, too, remember that. Honor your mother and father. In Hebrews, uh, I'm not going to... In the, in the first service, it took me about 20 minutes to find all my pages, so I'm just going to yeah, let, let you go look it up. In Hebrews 13.4, God instructs us to honor marriage, okay? Meaning that, that marriage is a, a sacred union between, between us and God, and, and we become one. And, and we need to honor that by, uh, by, by holding that union sacred and, and not doing things that would tear that apart. And, you know, I, I uh, have let some things distract me in the past and, and uh, haven't put everything I needed to into the marriage. And, and so that's one of the things that God says. We, have, we need to honor that. And conversely, if if you're not married, you need to honor what the what the marriage union is, okay? And not do what married people do, okay? You're not supposed to do what married people do, okay? You can read between the lines on that, right? Um, it's, marriage things are reserved for marriage and not for unmarried people. So leave that at that. Honor your marriage. If you're not married... Honor your future marriage. Okay? It also says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, honor your wives. Okay? And, that, and that goes along with the marriage. Our job is to, to lead our family, lead our marriage, take care of them, protect our wives, um, and, and in turn, they will, the, the wife will submit to the husband in turn because of love, not, not because of force or anything like that. So it's... It's instruction. God says, husbands, honor your wives. Honor your church leaders. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.12. You can read that. God instructs us to honor our church leaders. Okay? Um, this is in my words, but you know, the best way we can honor Kevin is to not fall asleep during his services. Okay? Huh? <laughs> because he's up here. Um, he's chosen to do this. Okay? He's been called to do it, but he's also choosing to do this. He's, he's up here trying to lead us down the path of righteousness. And the very least we can do is pay attention when he's talking. If you're drifting off about this point, okay, maybe it's time to get back. And, and if, you, if we can't pay attention for 30 minutes, then we really need to evaluate uh, how deep our faith really is. Please pay attention when he talks because he is has nothing, no ulterior motive. All he's trying to do is help and give us God's word because we can't understand it, a lot of us. And, and I think a lot of people are here because Kevin gives us God's word in a way that we can understand. And so not only do we need to listen, but let's do what he says. Okay? That's how you honor Kevin. You go out of here and you do what he says, what God said through him. And I think the best way to honor our, our church leader is to have a church uh, uh, church uh, body here that is living righteously and making a difference in our community and, and in our world. So remember to honor your church leaders. So those are a few things God has asked us to do. <coughs> and it's never too late to hear God's word. Welcome, guys. And uh, but there's there's also some things that He's asked us not to do. 
In Luke 16, verse 14, the Pharisees who dearly loved their money heard all this and scoffed at him. Then he said to them, you like to appear righteous in public, but God knows your hearts. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. What does the world honor around us? Okay, Power, greed, lust, money, all those things that lead us away from, from our faith. Uh, God didn't say, well, I don't really like that. He detests that. Okay, So that's a word that ought to wake us up and say, okay, that's not really the way, the path we need to be going down. We need to honor God by, honor God by avoiding uh, all the detestable things that are out there. Um, it's tough to live in this world as a Christian because there's a lot of things that are trying to lead us away. The devil is just working all the time trying to get us into those detestable things that God's talking about. Um, we need to do what Kevin said last week and just say no to it. Just flat say no, no to it. When you hear kind of tough words like this, I always like to end up with, with the message of hope. Okay, There's always a message of hope. We hear the tough stuff, right? And then at the end, there's always a promise. There's always a message of hope. In John 12, 26. Verse... <coughs> Verse 26, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me, because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. There's, there's the honor we get in return. If you can imagine the little bit of honor we give God, imagine how much he's going to give us in return when, when we decide that we're going to serve him. Okay? Um, there's, there's lots of times where I actually feel guilty asking people to help me on the ranch to, to serve this ministry, because I know I'm taking their time away from other things. After reading this, there won't be any guilt anymore because guess what's happening? When, when, when I give those opp- people opportunities to serve, I'm giving them an opportunity to be honored by God. Okay? So if you have been sitting here a while, or if you're new, or there's opportunities to serve out there. If you're not serving, you're not getting an opportunity to, to be honored by, by God. Okay? There's... there's uh, the the sister at the Catholic church we used to go to used to call people that that showed up in church pew warmers, okay? Because they were the people that showed up in church, but Monday through Saturday didn't do anything that that the word said, okay? We we really need to try to not be those pew warmers here. I mean, most of you, I mean, oh, a lot of you are are really serving. You're out there. You're doing doing it. Uh, I'm not talking to you, but anybody who is undecided about whether they should get involved, this is, this is why. Because there's a promise that God gave us, that he will honor us for serving, for being a servant. It doesn't say he's going to honor us for being rich or powerful or smart or fast or condemning their dunk a basketball in eighth grade. <laughs> he's going to honor us for serving. So there's always opportunity. Um, if we have to beg you to serve, it's not, it's not the way he wants it. If you want to serve, let us know. I'm going to pray. God, thank you so much for the, the opportunity to serve you today. And just thank you for, for the, the Christ Church body that's here today to, to listen to your word. I know you're working in all of them and, and in me too. And the message today were, was for me just as much as anybody else. I ask you to be with Kevin. Help us honor him through through our diligence and, and through lifting up this ministry and furthering it and expanding it and, 
and doing what you asked us to do, which is to reach all corners of the earth. Thank you for laying your healing hand on Bill Fisk. I ask you to be with all, the, all, all others who are sick or hurting or just in, in need of you. For those people that don't know you, I just pray for them, that they will find you and uh, have an opportunity for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Morning to everybody that's joining us live on Facebook and on the website and all of that other good stuff. So uh, welcome to Save the Cowboy. We promote authentic Christianity through the legacy, artistry, and traditions of the working ranch cowboy. Save the Cowboy is a sick pen for sinners, not a show ring for saints, okay? We're not here to, to look big or talk big or anything. We're here to... We're here to uh, serve a big God, and uh, we are glad that each and every one of y'all are here. Uh, last week, uh, it's that time of year again where we're busy out on the ranch, and, and it's not just our ranch that we're busy on, but we serve on, on a bunch of ranches around here. And uh, I, I got today work every single day last week, uh, whether it was at our place or, or helping others. Uh, being a neighbor, as God told us to be. And if Robert McLean would have had his way, I would have worked on Friday also, but I had to do some stuff. And so on Monday, we put nose flaps in our, in our, uh, in our calves to start the weaning process. It doesn't allow them to nurse. They can still eat, and they're with their mom. And it just, whenever the process happens, it just kind of helps it along, but uh, we put the nose flaps in, and then we also, that was whenever we were putting the foundation on the shop that we're going to build uh, that was donated to us, and so I wanted to give a shout out to Roger Goodhue, who's been uh, heading that up, but also to Abe Fair and Gary Noonan and Graham Hughesby and Jeremiah Turco and Kevin Bredesen and Sherilyn Holdifer, all of them that were out there uh, doing the cement work while we were working cattle. And I did come and I, I worked for about three minutes there, you know, to, to lend a helping hand, really pushed them over the edge, you know, really, you know, I made a lot of difference. No, I didn't make any difference at all. I didn't know what I was doing. They asked me to leave before I messed it up. And so, uh, I did. And so, uh, but the cool part about the way everything happened is that this is the fourth part of a series called Cowboy Attitudes. And it's really based upon the Beatitudes in Luke 6, okay? Now, a lot of people know the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter, I think, 5, I believe. And, uh, but this is the Sermon on the Plains. And it's another time that he basically gave the same sermon. A little, maybe not as in-depth as the Sermon on the Mount, but it's called the Sermon on the Plains. And in to, we finish it up today, and Jesus is talking about foundations. And so it was really cool to watch the foundations of this uh, shop go in and uh, all these guys and gals working together. And none of them are doing it for personal gain. They're all doing it. You know, what was cool is we're over there working cattle. They're over there building the shop. And we're both working towards the same goal of being able to feed the hungry. And I just, I thought that was so cool. There's one picture that I think Sherilyn took, and you can see us working in the background across the road while they're pouring the cement. And uh, to the average person, that wouldn't seem like no big deal, but it, it sure enough warmed my heart. And so uh, talking about foundations, as I was working cattle all week and watching the foundation being poured on the shop, I got to thinking, what, would, what, what are the foundations... Uh, of, a, of a cowboy. What, what, are, what are cowboy foundations? And um, I, so, so I really thought about that all week as, as, I, was, as I was day working. 
And, you know, I think in maybe in no particular order, but yeah, I can't say them all at once. So maybe the first cowboy foundation is, is horsemanship. Okay. You got to be able to ride your horse. If you're, if you're going to actually cowboy, I mean, you've got to be able to do something on your horse instead of just sit there with it between your legs and it does whatever it wants to do because it's important. I mean, we were, uh, we moved some cattle across the road for Robert cause he was going to precondition on Tuesday. So Monday afternoon I was out there and we had to rope and doctor four of them. And so I built to this one big one, you know, they're up to 600 pounds now. And I reached out there and I roped one and I was trying to get a little bit short, but I'm using a new waxed cotton rope that I haven't used very much. And so I'm kind of still getting used to it. And so, I mean, we're, we're flying out across the pasture now, I know, and I'm kind of gathering in coals and I got pretty close. And, and as I went to Dally, that calf kind of cut a hard right. And so I went to the horn fast. And when I went to the horn fast, I went right through one of my coals and dallied. And of course it was on a slick horn. So rope starts running out. And I mean, it nearly grabbed my whole arm and sucked it down to that saddle horn. So, so I let everything go. And I, I, I gave the Viking war cowboy yell. Now to non-cowboys, it sounded like a little girl screaming, but that is not the case. Okay. You're just, if you're not a cowboy, you're, you're not attuned to that frequency of that Viking war cowboy scream. Okay. So we're not going to hold it against you. If you, if you think it sounds like a little girl screaming, but, uh, anyway, but the point is, is that I can ride my horse. It does what I ask him to do. So I didn't lose my rope or anything. I chunked those two coils and I was able to follow him. And I mean, we're not talking about an arena that's flat. We're talking about you know, down this and around soapweed and around other cattle and stuff like that. So you got to, you know, if, if you want to know the foundation of being a cowboy, one of the first things is horsemanship. You got to be able to ride your horse and it has to do what you want it to do. And you got to know what it needs to do. So the second cowboy foundation is stockmanship. I mean, we were out there taking care of the stock. Okay. You know, we wasn't chousing anything that didn't need to be choused. Uh, the whole goal was to take care of it and to be able to move it. Uh, I was working later on with, with all the guys from the silver spur. And, and, uh, I guess there's one guy that, man, he just likes to build everything and just rope it. And, uh, all of this stuff. And uh, the assistant manager looked at him one day and said, you know, you're the only person I met that gets so stressed out about low stress cattle handling. And so, you know, but that's why we do the low stress is to have good stockmanship. Okay. The third cowboy foundation is stewardship. I mean, we don't just put a thousand head of cattle into a 40 acre trap and let them just take it down to nothing. I mean, we, we move cattle on a rotational grazing deal. You know, sometimes we have to sell cattle because, you know, maybe there's not enough rain or, or just too spotty and didn't get uh, stuff, but, but everything is about taking care of the water, taking care of the grass, taking care of the ranch, taking care of our stock, taking care of our horses, taking care of, of, of our families. You know, it's all being a cowboy is all about stewardship. So anyway, Robert said that he was going to have to get on his ground crew because, uh, at, at the branding, if you don't know it at a branding, you usually, uh, you know, you brand the calves and, uh, and then you give them some shots. And then if they're, they're, they're boy calves, you do a little pasture surgery on them where they're still males, but they can't reproduce. And if you'd like some more information on that, you can get with me afterwards or turn to the guy in the cowboy hat and ask him what I'm talking about. Well, 
four were missed. I, I don't know how it happened, but four bull calves were not cut. And so we had to do it at preconditioning. And the first one comes into the, uh, to the shoot and Robert's like, I'm going to have to get on my ground crew for missing four, blah, blah, blah. And he's everything. And, and Decky Spiller, the uh, manager of the silver spur around here, he turns to me with a big old grin and he says, now, if you can work something into about cutting nuts off of cattle in your sermon, I'll tune in. Well, Decky, I'm glad you're tuned in. Because the first foundation is horsemanship. The second foundation is, is stockmanship. And the third foundation of being a cowboy is stewardship. And the fourth foundation of being a cowboy is the ability, is bullship with a P, with a P. Because things, things aren't always going to go according to plan. I mean, everything, I mean, there's going to be calves that you miss that you have to cut. There's going to be millions of things that happen in our lives every single day. And if every little thing just wigs you out when the bulls don't get cut and, and even afterwards, uh, there was a bull that had got out of the pasture he was supposed to be. And then when we gathered all of the cattle that Tuesday morning, the bull, we just took the bull to the pens and we were like, oh, we'll cut him out, you know, before we let, turn him out to pasture. Well, we were turned them out to pasture and I'm sitting there and everything's pairing up and that bull walks by. I was like, oops, we forgot to pull the bull out. You know? So you, you, you got to be able to deal with the bulls because the bulls never do what they're supposed to do. They're never going to be where they're supposed to be. But what does Jesus have to say about foundations? I mean, that's just kind of a cool little cowboy deal to kind of promote the cowboy way of life, but that's not really why we're here. We're just going to use that as an illustration of what Jesus says about foundations. In Luke chapter six, starting in verse 48, Jesus himself, this is red letter stuff, okay? This isn't what Paul said about Jesus or John said about Jesus. This is Jesus talking, okay? He says, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Jesus is saying, hey, man, the foundation of your life has to be on solid rock. And if it's not, man, you're going to get washed away. You know, when, when the, he doesn't say if the storms of life come. He says when the storms of life come. If you don't have your life built on solid rock, Things are probably going to collapse. You're going to fall into ruin. And, and, and maybe you've already experienced this because I have in my life. It's like you work so hard to build something up. And then the first thing that happens, it seems like everything just falls apart. And then, you know, you get reinvigorated and you build everything back up. And then the next storm comes and just blows the roof off of it or, or whatever. It just seems like you're constantly in this circle of rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. Jesus says you don't have to be that. You don't have to do that. So how do we get a foundation on solid rock? Well, actually, that passage that I read, there's two verses before it where he tells us exactly how to do it. It's in black and white, or maybe I should say it's in red and white because it's his words. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, I read 48 through uh, 49, but starting in verse 46, Jesus tells us very plainly, very plainly, in this verse if you've been coming to Save the Cowboy or listening for very long, you've heard me talk about this verse. 
It is one of the scariest Bible verses that I've, that I've ever read, but it's also one of the most encouraging to me also. Because Jesus says, verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, yet you don't do what I say? <laughs> I mean, that's what I love about Jesus. Man, he ain't being ugly. He, he, you know, he's not being condemned. And then he just asks a pointed question. How come you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? And then he says this, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. And then he goes on to say, it is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Jesus says, man, how come you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? For I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then does it that way. He says, man, I'll show you. It's like this. Are you tired of constantly rebuilding your life? Maybe we need to get back to the foundations of what Jesus taught. Time and time and time again, but not just come to him and call on him as Lord and Savior, not just listen to his teachings, but let's start doing it. He says it's that important. The four Christian foundations that Jesus talks about. Now, I I went through the Bible and I read all the red letter stuff and I kind of categorized what Jesus was talking about. And he really only talked about four main things that I could find. And this isn't some theological, you know, guy with a PhD that can analyze the Greek and the Aramaic and all of this stuff. This is just a simple cowboy observation that I think that you can relate to. Here's the four things that Jesus talked about. And I call them the four Christian foundations. The very first thing that Jesus talked about over and over and over in many, many different passages was the need for faith. Faith to me is compromised, uh, is comprised, not compromised, comprised of two things, hope and grace. Faith is a heart that is addicted to hope. I love that. Faith is a heart that is addicted to hope. And hope is knowing in your heart that no matter what happens, it's all going to be okay. It doesn't mean if something happens. It means no matter what happens, It's going to be okay. It's one of the promises of Jesus. He says, man, it doesn't matter what anybody can do to you. I have already overcome the world. And if you follow me, then you get to, to share in that victory. It doesn't matter what happens to you, even unto death, that this is not the best of what God has to offer. This is just kind of the training ground. And our hope is in what's to come. And that even when the floodwaters do come, that our houses, our lives will not fall down, that we will be able to stand firm. Hope is trusting God with your life. Hope is just knowing that everything is going to be okay. And that's what faith is made up of, that you believe God, that he, that when he makes a promise, he's going to stick by it. He never said it'd be easy. He said it'd be worth it. And you cowboys, man, if you're a cowboy, you know what it means by that. Nothing about cowboying is easy, but it's all worth it. That's why I love the cowboy way of life, because it pertains to Christianity so much. Nothing in the Christian life is easy, but every bit of it is worth it. The other thing that faith is comprised of is grace. You know, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. 
And I'm going to tell you what I wrote down, and a lot of people are going to be like, well, I, I don't believe that. Well, okay. Believe whatever you want to. But grace is getting heaven when you know you deserve hell. Grace is getting heaven when you know you deserve hell. Now, a lot of people say, well, I, you know, why would God send me to hell? Well, number one, God doesn't send anybody to hell. It's a choice that we make. He says, look, you can choose me or you can choose something else. Okay. But we are not judged by whether or not me or Ty is, is better. Okay. We're, we're not judged against, well, I'm, well, I, you know, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than Ty is, or, you know, Ty saying, well, I may not be perfect, but I'm better than Kevin is. We're not judged according to each other. We're, we are judged by the standard of Jesus who was perfect. That's who we're up, not up against, but that's what we're judged by is his perfect life. And the crazy part is, is that Jesus said, look, I know they can't do it. So I'm going to trade my perfection for, for, for their sin. And I'm going to allow myself to be punished in their place. And I'll take their punishment and I'll give them my reward. That's grace right there. Grace is getting something you don't deserve because you know what? We're all liars. We're all cheats. We're all adulterers. We're all, uh, you just pick your poison. Okay, we've all been guilty of that. And thank goodness that we're forgiven for that. But grace is getting something that we don't deserve. And we don't deserve God's love. But yet through Jesus Christ, he gives it to us in John 14, 1, where Jesus is talking. This is not what Paul said. This is not what John said. This is not what Peter said. This is what Jesus said. John 14, 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God and have faith in me too. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God and have faith in me. Jesus says it right there. Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Have faith in God and have faith in me also. The first Christian foundation is faith. The second one is kind of R-rated. It's an R word, okay? It's kind of one of those that, oh, let's not talk about that because it can be a little bit, well, I'm not here to, you know, I'm not Willy Wonka, okay? I'm not here to sugarcoat, okay? The second Christian foundation is repentance, is repentance. Popular stance on the meaning of repentance is to turn away from sin and turn towards God. It's instead of following the wide, easy trail to destruction that Jesus talks about, it's coming off that road, taking the exit and traveling down that narrow, steep road that leads to eternal life and fulfillment. Okay, that's what repentance is. It's a turning away from sin and turning to God. But even Jesus, I think, gives a better definition of that in the text today when he says, when someone comes to me, listens to me, and then follows me. That's what repentance is. And we, we want to be Christians, but we don't want to give up the, that, that sinful life that we lead. Okay, well, you know, you need to. That stuff's holding you back. Because you may think that you're going down that, that steep, narrow trail. But if you haven't repented, man, that old devil's pulled the wool over your eyes. You're still on that trail without repentance. But, you know, repentance is so hard to understand sometimes of, uh, of turning away from sin and turning to God. And in my study, and I came across a little girl's definition of repentance. And I absolutely love it. Isn't it amazing that a little bitty kid can define something better than seminary professors. This is what that little girl said. Repent means to be sorry enough to quit. Boy, that, that's it right there. Repent means to be sorry enough to quit. 
that you know that 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 stuff that you're doing is hurting you. It may bring you temporary pleasure, but it but later on, man, it comes back. It comes back to bite you. No matter how many of those little temporaries, man, you just you, you dig in a hole. We got to learn to repent. In Luke in Luke five, we're in Luke six right now in our text, but in Luke five, Jesus Himself says. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Where do you think I came up with that, that that save the cowboys a sick pin for sinners, not a show ring for saints? It's from that right there. Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have not come to call those that are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I tell you to do? Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I tell you to do? We must have faith. Jesus told us to do that, to have hope, to trust in him. Not that there won't be storms, but in spite of the storms, to become strong. He said to repent. Repent is being sorry enough to quit, to put your faith in something besides some temporary pleasure, to put your faith in stuff that is eternal, that that is on bedrock. The third foundation, I think a lot of you will probably be like, you'll probably try not to let it show on your face, but whenever I say it, you'll be like, what? But Jesus talked time and time again about the sacraments. And what do I mean by that? But by, by the things that, that, that we do that a lot of people would, would deem religious, okay? And the two things that I'm talking about are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Jesus talked at length about them about being baptized and about performing the Lord's Supper. Now, baptism, we believe here at Save the Cowboy that baptism is a public act of identifying with Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It is the first step in dying to faith. Okay? Now, is, is baptism a, 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 a requirement for salvation? No, it's not. There's a lot of verses that, that, that tell us the importance of it, but you don't have to be baptized to go to heaven. Case in point that everybody uses is the thief on the cross. There's a thief dying on the cross and he asked Jesus to be his savior. And Jesus tells him, you'll be with me today in paradise. Well, that fellow wasn't baptized, was he? But here's the, here's the difference, I think. But I bet given the opportunity, he would have been. Think about that. Given the opportunity, he probably would have been. If we have the opportunity, maybe we should be. I think that baptism is a public display of your faith, okay? I'm not saying that it has to be public, but Jesus said, if you deny me before man, I'll deny you before my father. It's your one opportunity to stand up in front of people and, and it can be scary and, and to be, I mean, put down into some water and come up all dripping wet and everything. I, I know that that can be a little bit scary, but you come up a new creation because you're identifying with his death, burial, and resurrection, Okay, Uh, uh, one person said it's like the marriage ceremony between two people that love each other. Okay, that's what baptism is because we are called the bride of Christ, right? So baptism is like the marriage ceremony. Can you love somebody without being married to them? Yes, you can. But if we love Jesus, you know, I, I love that illustration. And I just learned it this morning that baptism is the marriage between us and Jesus. Now, the way we do it here at Save the Cowboy, just so people know, before I say this, I don't know what religious background you have. I don't care what religious background you have, okay? Baptism is very personal. So you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as it's biblically based, 
But here at Save the Cowboy, what we do is we baptize uh, by immersion at an age of accountability, okay? Now, I, I've, I've had people in the past that want their little kids to be baptized. We think that baptism is a choice, a personal choice to follow Jesus. It's not just getting somebody wet and, and checking something off a list. It's a personal decision. So generally, you know, uh, uh, and, and I've had some little kids that say, no, I want to be baptized. And, I, and then I ask, well, what heinous sin have you fallen on your face and begged God for forgiveness for? And they're like, what? Exactly. Okay. Jesus protects the little kids, guys. It's not, a, it's not something that we're going to check off. It needs to be deep and personal. Okay. And think about this. Jesus was baptized at age 30. Okay. Maybe that's the age of accountability. Cause I know in the twenties, I was dumb, you know, and even in the, well, I'm still in my twenties, but you know, sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, I mean, but you know, Jesus was, Jesus was baptized at age 30 by immersion. And I'm not saying that, that my way is absolutely the right way. I'm just saying that that's how Jesus did it. So that's, that's how we're going to do it. If you think differently, that's fine. I, I mean, that, that's between you and God. But baptism is important, okay? Jesus talked about it time and time again. As a matter of fact, he thought it so important that it was the last thing he said before he left. Not on the cross, but after he, after he came back. He, he told his disciples, he said, go out into the world and make disciples of all men and all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey everything that I commanded. My question for you is Jesus's question for you. Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? He tells us how to build our lives on solid bedrock. One that cannot be washed away. One that we don't have to constantly rebuild and work so hard and then end up giving up and just floating away into the world's problems. Got to have faith. We need to repent. I know it's hard. I know it's one of those R-rated things that nobody wants to talk about, but you need to give up that stuff. You got to be sorry enough to quit. If you want to live on bedrock, if you want to anchor down and be able to withstand the storms, and you also need to know what the Lord's Supper is. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. On the night that Jesus was was betrayed. He, he's with his disciples and, and he tears off a piece of bread. And he said, this is my, this is the bread of my body that will be broken for you when he eat it. Remember me. So he eats it. And then he takes the wine and he says, this is the, this is the cup of the new covenant, which represents my blood. And that will be shed for you when you drink it, do it in remembrance of me of remembering him on the cross. Okay. That's what the Lord's supper is in John six. 53 and 54, Jesus foretells that in some teaching. Now, so Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person on the last day, identifying with what he will do on the cross. Okay. That's what he's talking about. We had a little girl that, uh, named Rebecca that we were going to adopt and horrible home life and everything. She was taken away from her parents. And unfortunately, when we moved up here, the state of Texas would not allow us to bring, a, bring her with us. 
and she was awarded back to her father. And, uh, but anyway, I was preaching on this one time and she was sitting in the front row. And after I got through reading that, she looks at my wife in not a quiet voice and goes, Ew, we're supposed to eat his body and drink his blood. That's gross. Well, I think the people that were hearing this kind of felt the same way. Okay. Because the Lord's supper hadn't happened yet. Right. And I actually preached a sermon called six, six, six Christians based upon John chapter six, verse 66. And when he's talking about this, a lot of people are like, okay, man, I was with you on the love your neighbor and love all of this stuff, but now you're just going too far. Right. And so, uh, a lot of them that are following him, man, they just walk off. They leave. Jesus turns to his disciples and says, are y'all going to leave me too? And I think it's Peter that says, where will we go? You have the words of life. In other words, Peter was like, man, we don't understand anything you just said. Because I'm not sure if I'm supposed to bite you right now or I, I don't know. Okay. Some things in Christianity are hard to understand. But later on, it's shown that it's just a way to remember him on the cross of what he did for all of us. Why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? That's what Jesus asked. Talking about the foundations of the Christian life. And finally, the last one, the last and final one. You do not have to go very far in your good book when you're reading the red letter stuff before you come across where Jesus says something about living a virtuous life, okay? He talks about love and not hate. He told us to forgive, not condemn. He told us to pray for our enemies, not try to pay them back for something. He told us to be joyful, not mopey, right? Let me try to summarize what Jesus said for you through the words of my wife. Be a good freaking human, okay? Seriously, let's just all try to be good freaking humans. It's what Jesus said, be good to each other, love each other, help your neighbor, Make, be good people, be good people. And, and I'm sorry to say this, but I think Christianity has such a bad rap because and I'm not saying about anybody here, the one even talking here, but we all say we believe in Jesus, but we act like something else. We act like something very vastly different than, what Je than the way Jesus acted. We got to learn to be good. We got to do what Jesus said, because you know what? You are not what you believe. You are what you do. You are not what you believe. You can believe one thing, but if you don't do it, you really don't believe it. You just, you, you're just talking noise to yourself. You are what you do, not what you believe. If you, if you truly believe something, you'll do it. And if you truly believe in what Jesus says for us to do, then we need to do that. In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and your father in heaven will be glorified. You're supposed to be a good person. You're not supposed to come in here or wherever anybody goes and, and pray and say we're Christians and then go out there and talk crud about people or, or pull a fast one or, or, or be a shyster or, or anything like that, man. We're supposed to love. We're supposed to love those, not just those that love us, but love our enemies too. And he called it the narrow and steep and hard trail for a reason. Nobody said that this is going to be easy. Being a cowboy ain't easy. Neither is being a Christian. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Why do you call me Lord? Yeah, you don't do what I say. 
Nearly every single thing that Jesus said has something to do with the four foundations of authentic Christianity. Faith, repentance, the sacraments, which are baptism and the Lord's Supper, and virtue. Live a good life. Live a good life. Be a good person. Not just on the inside, especially on the outside. He said that those that listened to his words and obeyed them were like a person that built his house on solid rock and could withstand every storm. But those that heard his words and didn't do what he said, the way he said, were like those that built their house with no foundation and the storms collapsed them into ruin. How many wake-up calls must we have before it's too late? Seriously. How many times do we have to hear this and know it in our heart and know it in our heart that we've got some work to do? That maybe the way we've been acting on the outside doesn't really jive with what we claim we believe on the inside. We've all got work to do. We've all got some practicing to do. And the good news is whether you're watching online, listening on the radio or sitting here today, man, I want to take that journey with you. I want you to take that journey with me. I'll be there for you. Look around. So will these. It takes guts to be in here today. It takes guts to be watching today. And it takes even more guts to go out there and prove it. You can do it. I know you can. Maybe it's time to re-examine your faith to see if you have hope. Are you putting your hope in what this world can offer or what Jesus can offer you? Maybe you need to finally repent for those sins instead of just ignoring them. Maybe it's time to be baptized. Maybe for the first time or hopefully for the last. Maybe it's time you put your money where your mouth is. You say you believe in Jesus, then act like it and live your life like he told you to.